All right, obviously in our program, you know, back to back to work uh, on Sunday, and then again uh, uh, today, getting ready for another uh, Big 12 game uh, coming up with Iowa State. Obviously, a team that you know has beaten us the previous two years and has gotten the, the edge on us two years in a row. You know, Coach Rhodes runs a really good program. Those guys always play hard. They play physical. Um, you know, they they. Um, find a way to, to get things done a lot of ways. So we're really looking forward to, to playing a game in Memorial Stadium with our fans here. You know, hopefully we have a great turnout, uh, great support uh, for these guys that, um, you know, playing hard throughout the season and uh, look forward to playing Iowa State. Yeah, I don't think it was by the time you know we got home. Obviously, you get beat like uh, Baylor beat us. It's an you know it's a it's a tough loss. You know they got after us pretty good, and uh, um, you know it takes a little while to to bounce back from that. You know as soon as the game was over, you know we started addressing that. You know we uh, we prepared. We obviously didn't prepare well enough. We got beat by a very good team. Um, it's time to to put it behind us. And I you know I think by the time we got on the field on Sunday that our guys have realized that you know nothing you can do about the Baylor game, but there's plenty we can do about the rest of the season. And and we're ready to get ready to go to work. And I thought we had a good Sunday uh, evening practice and preparing for um, Iowa State. Uh, you worked for Coach Mangino's now at Iowa State. Uh, what what did you uh, the most important thing do you learn from him? about how to run a program and what you're trying to do that maybe you learned from you. You know, I, obviously I did. I spent eight years with Coach Mangino. Um, you know, the guy, uh, tremendous amount of respect for him. Did a lot of things for me personally um, to help my career, uh, to help me develop as a coach. Um, took numerous things from the way he operated a program. Um, you know, if you want, you know, a few of the things is our, you know, his work ethic is, is second to none. You know, we, uh, we uh, worked extremely hard. We uh, paid attention to the details and learn little things do matter and uh you know we uh we um worked hard and, and, and developed a good program when's the last time you talked with him it's been a while yeah you're looking forward to it i know you've said over and over that this whole thing isn't about you but uh and you obviously have bigger stuff to take care of on saturday but this reunion something that, that would be kind of special i don't know you know on game day it gets uh you know it's it's more about you know, there's so many other things to, to go and take care of your kids, you know, to get our players ready to go and make sure that, that everything's running smooth there. You know, you, you seldom have time to really see the other guys on other staffs that you know. Well, I know when you just look at their offense and what they do, do you recognize some of the stuff um, from, from when Coach Mangino was here? I think, you know, there are some similarities. Um, it, it's different. You know, football has changed um, in the last – since whatever years I'd been, 2009, you know, football's changed, and there's just a lot of different wrinkles, things going on now that, that, you know, they're up to what everyone else is doing to where that, you know, that 2009 stuff was is kind of, you know, teams have moved through that. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a similar offense, but, but there's a lot of different parts to it. Because of their struggles and, and KU's the last two years, you know, you guys are kind of always grouped uh, toward the bottom, obviously, there. But what's it been – the last couple of years that's allowed them to, to have the upper hand on, on you guys in your head-to-head matchups? You know, it, it's it's hard to tell. You know, I think it kind of goes back to, to what I started with, with what a, a Paul Rhodes team usually does. They, they show up, um, they play hard, and they play physical, and they usually don't beat themselves, you know, and, and I think that's uh, 
been one of the things that has shown up in the, the last two times that they, they showed up and, and were better prepared to win that game than we were. You know, I think that the things that Michael can do is, is he has a, um, a good pre-snap awareness of what defenses are doing. It allows him to, to read a, a couple different deals. You know, a lot, of, a lot of football now has to do with, with reading, you know, having a run-pass option on plays. And I think that he has the ability to, to make that decision because you're usually looking at one defender and, and deciding based on the, is the, what he does, is the pass open or is the run the way to go. And I think he, he makes those reads pretty efficiently. It, it absolutely, you know, if you you know the the teams that are doing that, and uh, you know officials are continuing to let them let them run block downfield and throw the ball downfield at the same time, and and that's where offense is headed. With Michael's game against Baylor, I mean the score is lopsided. You know, you're probably not looking for too many positives out of that, but his final line, work, what did you make of his play and, and his what he put up stats wise and all that? I mean, it looks pretty good on paper. It does, you know. There's obviously a few plays. I'm sure you know the the fumbles and the and the things like that that we have to have to get back from. But you know, all in all, he he kind of just continues to show what we talk about him every week that he is an extremely tough young man uh, that that competes and fights and and goes out there and and has the ability to to deliver the ball. Uh, you know, he has a strong arm and and makes good reads and gets the ball out there. And, and you know, Nick and and Nigel and those guys are going up and making some plays for him as well. But um, you know, he brings a natural presence to him in the huddle that, you, you know, you, you look at him and you know that he's there ready to play. Did he, did he I mean, any of that show in the, in the spring or the summer or the preseason? I mean, obviously, you know, once Montel was named the starter, so much of the focus was, was on that and getting him ready. But did this stuff show from Michael throughout that time? And, or, or does it take a situation like this where he's actually thrown out there to, to really emerge? You know, I, I don't really, I didn't pay a ton of attention to him, to be honest. I uh, didn't really um, deal with it a whole lot. But, you know, Mike's always been a, a pretty tough guy. You know, I think that's always shown. You talked as a staff about innovation, and then you were talking about letting him run block down the field. Or pop passes, things like that, is that stuff you want to tinker with, I guess, or things that you want to show offensively? You know, I, um, <clears throat> I get it's a few more different, you know, it's not just the, the stick the QB up there, the Tim Tebow type deal that teams are doing. You know, it's more the perimeter reads and 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 and, and on the perimeter reads, it's not necessarily behind the screen, behind the line of scrimmage passes. It's downfield passing game and, and that stuff. And and obviously that that makes it extremely difficult to defend. And that's why you see each week, you know, teams scoring the amount of points that they're scoring. Well, it takes all the rules that you ever teach a defensive kid and it uses those rules against him. You know, you take, for example, tight end releases on a pass route should equal pass, but it doesn't. It's the ball being ran. Guard pulling on a power play should equal run, but it's not. It's a pass, you know, and it, it's those kind of things. It takes the rules that you teach defensive players and it uses it against them. This 
uh, depth chart, Keon still listed first string? Is that reflective of his availability and, and Derek's too? Um, you know, Derek probably won't be there. Um, Keon, we're hopeful. You know, he's a little bit more day-to-day, -day, but, yeah, Derek will be out for this game. How about DeAndre? Uh, still day-to-day -day with him, too. We're so hopeful there as well. Okay. You mentioned the rules being a little different in terms of what, what you teach a defensive player, but how do you, how do you adjust, how do you, how do you teach them with some of these nuances that are coming, coming into vogue? Well, what you do is you, 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 and it's where, you know, coverage parts are becoming more critical that you try and take as about every guy you can and you take them out of that situation to where they're not a two-way guy. You know, it's not the old thing of a, a safety reading a guy and then having to fit off of it. You kind of have to take him out of that. He's either, either a cover guy or he's a run-fit guy, and it puts you in those dilemmas a little bit, which a lot of times creates, you know, the isolations and the matchups that you see on the perimeter. With the co-offensive coordinators, You know, those guys are, you know, even as an entire offensive staff in there, um, you know, we spend a, a ton of time as offense and defensive staffs together. So the communication's always bounced off the wall, really not just amongst, you know, the two coordinators, but amongst the entire staff. Um, and those guys, you know, and, you know, they come in there and they, you look at your plan, you, you start going through what you, you think's good and bad and, and picking it apart as a, really as a whole group, you know, and the coordinator just kind of, you know, has the final final say on what he really wants and what he's truly trying to put together. But it's always a collective effort. When a specific player gets to the point where he's getting flagged a lot, uh, does it become troublesome how to deal with it? If you say don't, don't, don't. Yeah, it becomes very troublesome. Um, you know, you you um, you find yourself in a, in a position where you know you, a guy has to be able to correct his mistakes and if you can't correct his mistakes you obviously the next step is to get him out of the game and then you hope that when you get a guy out of the game that the guy who goes in the game can do it better or do it at least equally as well and, and sometimes that's not the case. When you mentioned Coach Mangino's attention to detail, was there anything specific that, that, he, that he did that you thought at first, why are we, why are we getting into that kind? That kind of detail, or can you cite any examples? Um, you know, we, we, we did. We At that point in time, we did focus on, when you think about little things, you know, you went to the practice field, it was as little as every player better be wearing the exact same thing the exact same way. Um, you know, when you told a guy to do something, it better be done, whether it's, you know, touch the line, um, Stretch this way. The way you told him to do it is the way it had to be done, and it was just a it was just a a standard that was set that the players you know had to had to meet at all times, and it was you know and philosophical the the way that that things probably should be. You know, I mean, things are you ask a guy to do something, it should be done right, and that's what we held our account, players accountable for. I know in the off season you guys look you know look ahead at all your opponents and kind of. Get that advanced scout on those teams that you're wanting to play throughout the year because you have the time to do that. Uh, I don't want to suggest that during your off week there you didn't fully take advantage of getting ready for Baylor, but do you do that during an off week when you have that? Do you, do you look maybe even a couple hours ahead to that next opponent too, or is it all just focused on the next game? No, as a coordinator, I've always, for years, always done that. Going back to Bill Young and I, I'd always get together. And when you have your Thursday thing, you know, set, you're, you're done your Thursday night, your call sheet's done, your, your game plan's set, you know what you're going to do, you're ready for your next day on Friday. 
we've always done a little bit of advance on um on that Friday because really what you're working to get for on Friday is to get ready for the next Sunday after that game for when you go on the field on Sunday that you're using that practice for corrections and your next opponent and you're already you know ahead so yeah anytime you know we had a little extra time on Friday we always glanced ahead yeah, but that's what you know. That it wasn't due to Iowa State. It's that was that's just normal routine. Yeah. That, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, talented guy. Had a you know off to a, a couple of years doing really well in the conference. Uh, they use him a lot, like we use uh, Jermay. Uh, you know, the EJ can line up as a, a wide receiver and a very effective running routes, catching the ball. They'll bring him in the backfield, use him as a fullback and, and out of the backfield stuff. And then he does line up as a, a true inline tight end. You know, he's 260 pounds, runs really well, uh, runs good routes. He's a he's a talented young man. Um, you know, he's one of the, the better uh, um, dual-type players in the conference. How about Richardson? Two years ago here on that night game was, was when he kind of played. I don't even think he was on the depth chart then. Um, how have you seen him change in the time since he kind of burst onto the scene then? Well, he's become a lot more accurate in the throwing game. You know, he's throwing the game, uh, throwing the ball well. Uh, he's a, a running threat, whether by designed QB run games or you know on pass play scrambling. Uh, he's a, he's an athletic kid. He runs runs well. Um, he's got good speed. Um, he can he can um, run the option, run the zone read, and scramble. And and he's you know he looks he looks really comfortable. You know, it looks like he's got command of the offense and, and doesn't hit panic buttons when people are bringing pressure at him. He's sitting in there and delivering the ball. So he's developing. A solid quarterback. Ben Needy had a carry in the game last week. Could you talk about like the thought process there and if we can see him more than that? Yeah, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, we're at the running back position, um, you know, Corey Avery's getting a, a load of work. Um, you know, Tony Pearson's back there and it, you know, just came into a what we want to do for a short yardage mentality, you know, fourth and one, fourth and two, maybe a goal line situation, wherever it be. Um, and, you know, Ben has a history of playing running back in the past. You know, played for Coach Dryling and Hutch, played uh, running back there very effectively. And, and uh, so when we were looking for a short yardage back, we thought that that might give us a chance for a guy to, you know, kind of stick one up in there. You know, I think they have they have good players. You know, all of, all of us are are hunting for the you know the mega stars and the and the the superstar guys. But unfortunately, there's there's not a, a ton of those out there. You know, a lot of us are uh, playing with with really good Big Twelve football players up and down our roster. And, and and you know, all the kids I look at at Iowa State, they all look very deserving of being Big Twelve football players to me. You know, I mean, they have guys on this team, the old line that play well. You know, the running back kids are a, a good player. You know, we already mentioned Bibbs on the other side of the ball. You know, their two D linemen, Jensen and Morrissey, are good. Their two DBs are good. You know, we we're um, you know, we all have have our players that we have and. Um, you know, it's about you know developing those young men and, and getting them ready and and uh, and playing. You know, there's only there's only a handful of the of the really really special um, star type players. The rest of us have good solid Big Twelve players, and we're all trying to you know get those kids to play the best that we can. Do they remind you of any teams you've seen in the past? I mean, especially with that Paul Rose influence. 
Any non-Iowa State teams, anyway? Um, yeah, tough to answer. Not really off the top of my head, no. Clay, you talked about uh, what works here at Kansas, and you've seen what's worked here. I just wondered, big picture, offensive line-wise, what, what has worked here, or, or what do you think the formula is to create a really successful well, you know, at the offensive line, I think it's one of the, the most important, truly, when people talk about playing fundamental football. Obviously, at the O-line, I think that's paramount. You know, those players have to have a chemistry about them. They have to have a, a trust in each other. They have to work together all the time. They have to communicate together. So when you talk about all the fundamentals of football, from getting in a good stance to taking a, a good first step to playing with hands and pad level and all those Football fundamentals, that's where it truly all comes into play on every single snap is at the O-line. You know, and you, so you have to have those kids that, that um, one, can think, uh, two, have some toughness about them because, you know, every play it's a, it's a little bit of a, a head-banging collision and can apply the fundamentals that they need. So it's a, um, you know, it's an unselfish type player that, that has some mental and physical toughness about them. Because of the mental things you said, uh, be a complicated position in the physical it takes a while to get the body uh, so ideally would you, look, would you be looking for five-year offensive yeah you know I, I hear all those think about all those old jokes of you know you take those old linemen and you, you put them in the in the dark room and you know don't don't kind of think about them for a few years and then pull them out and and they're ready to go you know and it, it is kind of that position it's one of those ones that you know, it, as young kids, it's probably the hardest to come in as a strength and development and fundamental type player uh, to, to play. You know, I mean, you take a corner, the guy's quick and fast and, and, you know, has some just natural God-given ability. You can throw him out there and play. He doesn't get into physical mismatches. He doesn't get into that. But at O-line, it, it's, it's one of those true areas where development is critical. And, you know, the longer you can keep him in your system to where everything is more familiar with him, obviously the better. There's some hope that with John having a little less on his plate, you know, even this far into the season, maybe that extra attention that he can give to the line can, can help you guys kind of finish strong at that position. I think he would, but you know, I think even when John was the OC, I think he was, you know, he was working the O line as as hard as he can, as hard as he can, and coaching them as good as he can. You know, I don't. Uh, there hasn't been any more or less time spent with them, you know, based on those roles.